Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one your host, and this is episode 74, part two, an interview with Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun. Um, for those of you who listened to part one, which I'm sure is most of you, um, you'll know that this is actually the second segment when we recorded. We recorded for like two hours. This is actually the first part, um, even though it's called part two. Uh, it was recorded sort of in reverse order only because the conversation sort of led to that we talked more specific Jets timely events and everything a little bit more was at the end so put that out just because there's going to be a couple days in between the release so now if you want to listen to them in order you can listen to this part two and then go back and listen to part one and that will be sequential so hope that made sense um so some of the stuff that was alluded to i suppose in part two uh that already came out that will make a bit more sense because it was alluding to earlier conversation. So hope that all makes sense. Uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy this. Uh, talk to Scott about his story. And we did get into, obviously, Jets and hockey things too. But um, yeah, again, I already explained why they're in reverse order. So, uh, And now before we get to the episode, I just want to mention something about Kevin Sawyer's comments the other day. I know a lot of people, um, if you haven't heard, he basically alluded to being part of hazing um, Jared Spurgeon when he was a coach um, years ago and a lot of people calling for his head my hot take on it which isn't that hot is there's no context to what he said so we're not sure about the severity of it and i think there'd have to be an investigation um of some sort but also uh in today's climate all that's been happening with all these coaches basically has been player accusations not somebody just offering up information without context so i think it all rests with spurgeon if he's going to come forward and say something which it doesn't seem like he would because he probably would have by now um but i do think it was kind of bad form that um that sawyer didn't apologize for it i think uh, he definitely should have um as far as people saying the media should have definitely taken him to task i don't know the media's job is to cover what's on the ice i would say and and but if somebody asked me if i were in media and said what's your take i would kind of say you know, it's bad form. We should probably apologize. I don't know. So, uh, but I don't think that it's a media's job to cover that or care that much. Unless you ask them directly, then they should answer, I suppose. But um, I don't think it's much of a story until Jared Spurgeon says something. So that's my take. Obviously, I could keep going, but I'd rather get to the episode. Um, I think I explained it decently, but I, I just don't. I just, whatever. Sorry, I should have apologized for sure. And Spurgeon, something terrible happened, should definitely come forward. And uh, that's it. Anyhow, let's get to the episode with Scott Bell. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. I know that you're a busy guy following the team, so um, thankful that uh, you can join us and uh, speak to our listeners. So, first of all, I just yeah. want to say thanks. Yeah, no, not a problem. I appreciate it. Appreciate the getting the platform. Uh, it's always nice to you know, kind of get myself out there and be able to, you know, just talk hockey and kind of put maybe a, I guess, sort of a kind of a face or at least a voice in, in this case to, you know, kind of the byline and, and the person that you kind of read about or at least see typing sometimes on Twitter and that sort of thing. So yeah, certainly uh, enjoy and appreciate the time that you're giving me here tonight. 
Yeah, not a problem. Actually, I, that that's kind of leads me to a question I wasn't going to ask, but is that a bit of a frustration sometimes that like uh, you may be limited by the the writing versus just kind of long form conversations? I know you you did a hit with the legal curve this morning uh, yeah. earlier, and, and so you've done some some radio stuff, and I know you did stuff with the hockey show. But do you feel kind of limited and and wish that maybe you would do more audio things, just kind of ex- expound on some ideas? Yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I mean, I, I have always. I've always, uh, actually, I've learned along the way that I, um, I write a lot better than I talk, which is why I, you know, I'm in paper and in print and, and that sort of thing, and not in radio or TV or whatever. I mean, I'm not the most, I won't, I won't be the most eloquent speaker that you'll ever have on your show, but um, I also, you know, I find that, you know, like anything else, so you get better with time and and you know more repetitions and reps and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of. It's one of the things that, you know, you think about, you know, you sit there on a night sometimes, you're sitting in a hotel room on the road or whatever, and you're like, oh, you know, what, what could I do that would be, you know, kind of engaging with fans? And you kind of wonder, well, you know, could you do a Facebook Live or could you do, you know, just something where fans come in and they're not fans. I don't even want to call them fans. They're not my fans. It's just fans of the team or, or you know, people who read my stuff or follow along on Twitter. Or if you, you know, you could have, like, some sort of, you know, chat with them or whatever just to, you know, get to know people, right? Because end of the day i mean i'm not you know uh, i don't put myself above the people that, that read me i don't do those types of things and it's not it uh, you know it's not what i'm about um you know i think you know fans know just as much as i would know i mean the only difference that i have is i'm like to be in in the room and i have a different you know kind of i guess a a perspective based on that but um yeah I, you know just to go back to, i'm kind of on a tangent there but you know just to go back to that the question i mean yeah i, I I, I, I like these types of things because I think at the end of the day you get to, you know, I guess you just get to know the person a little bit more than what you see on Twitter. And I, and I try to be a bit of an open book on Twitter, whether it's about mental health or whatever it is. I mean, that's kind of been my thing because I have a platform and I always kind of told myself if I was ever like a professional athlete or whatever would end up being in the end, if I had some way to kind of talk to people or, you know, give my experience or do something like that, I would. And, and uh, um, you know, I'm trying to do that as much as I can is, you know, with time constraints and work constraints and stuff like that, you know, if you have some time, you know, I, you know the, the thing that you uh, we touched on earlier, just about, you know, tweeting and, and the, you know, my kind of story, how I got into writing and dealing with different things, you know, I was doing that on a plane on the way home from Denver from the Jets road trip, right? You need to try and find some time to, to kind of do it and just talk to people so yeah i mean i enjoy these types of things to you know to try to bring it back to a, a sh- kind of more of a short-winded answer I, I like to kind of get my voice out there and and you know just talk to people and and kind of yeah put a kind of a voice to the name i suppose yeah well you know what there's definitely opportunity to do that like with twitter and the live stream periscope stuff i mean i was right. str- strongly recommended i know the I think it was last year I ran into you and uh, Weeb uh, doing some recording you set up uh, just by the rink there. So I would say like more video, more interactive stuff. And you're already, uh, you and Marat, I'd say, would probably the most interactive online of like local media that actually kind of, you know, uh, banter back and forth or answer the questions and everything and right. and joke around the most. So I, I, I think me as a fan, I enjoy that stuff. Again, not like you say, a fan of you, but of the team, it's, it's nice to kind of feel like, hey, can we just kind of ride your coattails of access a little bit just to see a little bit more of what you see without you know you know going behind the paywall or or 
you know, whatever it is. You, you, yeah. It's just kind of neat. So uh, I would definitely say uh, step it up. Just start doing Periscope videos from the road. I know you don't always travel with the team, but uh, sure, why not? Pull in some other media people. I think uh, a lot of people would really get a kick out of that. So uh, that's that's my uh, that's my advice to you. Not that you're looking for it, but uh, you did mention something that we started talking about before, uh, before we started recording, though, just about your story. I think every time I've interviewed a media person, I've always uh, asked them kind of their story and how they got to where they are. So I wonder if you can kind of tell people you know, what you did for a job before you got into this? Because I know it was a little bit um, later on. It's not like you're a journalism student from the time you were 16 or whatnot. So how'd you get into this stuff and what's been your journey to now being basically full-time with The Sun? I know that you were also with uh, NHL and I think you did some writing for NBC too. So uh, maybe you can kind of take us through uh, how you got to where you are and why why we know who you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it kind of all started one day. I had a buddy um, who's um, reasonably well connected in the city um, with a lot of the sports, uh, you know, just with the different sports things, uh, the Jets, the Gold Eyes, the Bombers, and that sort of thing. And anyways, um, he was my best man, and I was his at, uh, at our respective weddings. And anyways, it was, I think, yeah, I want to say it was 2013, March, uh, I believe, and he, uh, I don't remember if it was a phone call or text or whatever, but uh, one of the two, and he um, just asked me if I wanted to start, you know, if I wanted to write some sports, and uh, there was a little bit of money involved, and um, I was kind of middling around in university, uh, in psychology, uh, faculty, you know, just not really kind of sure what, uh, I guess I wanted to do kind of with uh, my life. I would have been about 23 at that point, and still kind of figuring out what to do. I was working at River City Sports at the time, uh, selling uh, copious amounts of jet skier as it you know, it only been a couple of years since they returned. So uh, there was a lot of that uh, going on. So, you know, I was kind of, I've always been in sports. I've always, you know, either played them or watched them or whatever, even sold gear and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, the, you know, I got that call and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to try it. I was writing a little bit for uh, the Manitoban, which was the, which is still the, uh, uh, the student newspaper, the U of M, um, just writing weekly, uh, weekly columns and that sort of thing, uh, just on anything and any, everything. I remember writing some, some weird story on Tiger Woods, and this was right after he crashed his, his SUV into a tree and got whacked by his wife on the, with a, with a nine iron or whatever it was. Um, and so that thing. And so I remember writing a story why, yeah, it just, I think it was on why Tiger Woods was the best golfer of all time, like a rebound from this. I don't even remember. Like, it was just, I was writing sports and stuff, and, but, it, you know, I kind of, it was always kind of, I don't know if it was always a dream for me to write sports, but I always wanted to, you know, kind of have, I guess, you know, like anybody kind of wanted their opinion to be heard on sports and stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. And, and uh, I, I still remember the, the first story I wrote, it was on Rick house, uh, former Winnipeg blue bomber. Um, I was asked to do it for a magazine called the huddle. Um, <clears throat> this would have been, geez. Yeah, this was, yeah, this was six, seven years ago now. Um, so I started doing that. Um, eventually, um, through that, got credentialed uh, to cover the Blue Bombers that year. Um, so, I mean, I went right from, you know, writing one story on Rick House to going to games and starting to, um, you know, write stories and, you know, daily things and stuff like that. Wasn't getting paid a whole lot, but, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes you, especially in this industry, you really got to pay your dues to kind of get to where you are. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but that's exactly what I was doing. I mean, uh, and then that fall, I got uh, 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 credential to uh, cover the Jets, which was 
um, you know, eye-opening at the time. I mean, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of, you, you know, you walk from the bombers into the jets, and it's a, it's a whole different world, right? I mean, you're you're seeing some of these reporters that you've read your whole life, and 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 now you're seeing them kind of on a daily basis, and you're like, oh, you know, these some of these guys are. You, know, you look up to these guys at least from a writing standpoint and, and then you kind of get to know them as a person so um yeah i went from that to um writing hockey obviously doing that for another uh magazine called mantle hockey news which is now uh, i believe it's called game on now uh if you'll, you'll find that magazine pretty much every rink around the city um but uh yeah so i started doing that eventually uh stopped doing that uh, i started getting uh, you know, through different people, Darren Bombing uh, was a big uh, help early on for me. Darren Bombing, TSN reporter, um, covers the Jets now for NHL. He actually got my job uh, at the NHL when I left to, to go with the Sun this year. And um, so, yeah, you know, different jobs doing, you know, Canadian press. I remember my first ever stringing job, a stringer is basically if they don't send somebody, um, you know, let's say a newspaper doesn't send somebody, uh, on the road with a team, oftentimes, at least in the U.S., and this was about six years ago, they would hire a stringer in, uh, you know, a reporter, or a, you know, a writer in, in in a city that they weren't going to, and they would write uh, for that paper or for that online publication, um, and uh, they would, give, you know, you get paid to do that. It was the first time I ever did, I did for ESPN Chicago. Um, that was kind of my first real um writing you know in, in my opinion if i looked at back at where i started i mean that's the one thing i remember i'm like okay this is the first time my writing is going to go online to a, a major audience and um so that was yeah i remember that day uh still pretty vividly it, it nerve-wracking as anything um seeing your byline again you know next to your story, which is being read by, you know, ESPN Chicago at the time was pretty big. It was a pretty big following. It was 2013. Um, uh, the, the lockout year, I believe it was. I mean, the Blackhawks eventually won the cup that year. Um, lots of eyes on that story. So it was just, it was, it was very cool. And at the same time, extremely nerve wracking. Um, from there, it was just more, more stringing jobs. I started doing stuff for Canadian press, um, different newspapers, Miami Herald, I remember, Denver Post. Uh, there, there's others in there. Um, and then, you know, in 2014, um, at, you know, at the kind of advice of, you know, several different people that had taken the time to talk to me, um, reporters and stuff like that, they kind of told me to maybe go to school. And I was like, okay, um, you know, I think I went back to school at, uh, I want to say, 27. And I hadn't gone to school since 2013, and I was like, Ugh, like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to to go back to school. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I was like, you know, I, this door had kind of opened up for me, and it was like the one time where you know, I'm like, kind of dead set on it. Like I'm doing this, like I want to do it, like I enjoy doing it. it doesn't feel like work, and the schooling was going to get me that piece of paper that said, oh. You know, I, I, I can do it, right? It's like uh, uh, an MD or uh, you know, not as obviously not as, uh, as as a doctorate or anything like that. Not, not nearly as significant, but like it, it was the piece of paper that, you know, it opened and going to school kind of really opened all these opportunities. I first interned at the Winnipeg Free Press uh, and I would intern there about, I don't know, I think six times over the next two years and two, two full summers in their sports department. Um, 
uh, one big sun. I did one summer uh, there uh, in the third year. Um, but yeah, and then I was doing uh, work for the Canadian press quite often or different stringing jobs. I mean, I kind of had started accumulating all these kind of, I suppose, contacts of people that would just call me if they needed something. And so I would be at uh, almost all of the Jets games doing that sort of work and trying to kind of cobble together, you know, a, a living uh, as much as I could from that. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up graduating. And in the same year, um, some of your listeners will remember Pat Williams, who um, uh, was the NHL.com guy. Uh, that would have been 2016. He actually left um, to go back to, I believe, where his wife is from, uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Um, pretty sure, if I remember correctly, she got uh, a job there. Uh, she's a doctor. Um, and uh, so uh, I was asked if I wanted to take over that. And that was really, I guess, the first time where I kind of got um, a, a beat. Uh, uh, and reporting a beat is something you cover all the time. Uh, so you know, I was on uh, quote unquote the Jets beat uh, for NHL.com, um, and I was still doing other things. But by the end of 2017, I had three jobs. I was doing NHL.com. I was working for NBC, and I had a full time job in news reporting at the Winnipeg Sun. So I was working three jobs. It was you know I, I remember doing the math one time, and I was working essentially. 16 hour days uh, i'd go and network during the day for the sun and at night time it'd either be nhl from like six till you know 11 when like you get there before the game and then you, you go after the game and you know you get all your stuff done about 11 you'd leave or i'd work from roughly six to midnight at uh, nbc just working from home covering all things nhl different news things so for two years straight i pretty much did that until this past summer when ken weeb who um, your listeners will also know um, from uh, from the Sun uh, after 19 years, I believe it is just under 20 for for Kenny, and uh, moved on to uh, the Athletic, and uh, I had been working in the Sun newsroom, and I applied for the, the sports job, and lo and behold, uh, I got it after a pretty uh, uh, <laughs> nerve-wracking wait, I suppose, and 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 when I'm here today, I mean, I've been on the road now. Uh, 25 nights since the start of the season, kind of learning how to do this whole job where, you know, I said earlier that, you know, I got my own beat working for the NHL and now it's, it's really a beat. I mean, you're every day, you're producing content every day. You're trying to find stories, find the minutiae, find different things that people want to read and, and, and that sort of thing. And you're on the road and you're traveling and all these different things that I'm trying to learn this year um and, and and still put out content every day and it's been it's been quite the ride but uh yeah i mean i guess that's kind of you know the short I mean, not even short i've probably been talking for about five minutes on this but <laughs> um you know that's kind of the kind of how i got to where you know, i am today on january 4th 2020 yeah now um the jets just played in minnesota earlier today in the afternoon were you actually in minnesota or what does that look like for your travel schedule yeah, how often do you go with the team yeah, so it just depends. We have three guys, Ted Wyman, uh, Paul Friesen, and myself now at the Sun Sports Department. It's a, it's a skeleton crew, but a, a, a great crew to work with, a bunch of guys that are really um, on board with each other. And so we kind of, it, it, I'd like to say we split the, the travel, but I do most of it. But i was just been on the road. I was on uh, for, in November, I was gone for 17 days on two trips, kind of, split between there and then I was gone and now uh, 
Ted and Freezer on the next trip, and then I won't be. I'll go on the next long one, which I believe after this is. Uh, I want to say it's in February, and then I have all the stuff that's in March and April. So it just depends. Um, people pick different trips. I mean, I'm not high on the seniority list, but I also have most of the games. I think I'm doing roughly 30, 30 or so games on the road. So I wasn't on this trip, but I'll be on the next one. It just depends. Um, you know, like just the same thing with like the free press or whoever. I think Mike McIntyre's on this trip. Sometimes they send Jason Bell. Um, it just depends on, you know, kind of schedules and who gets scheduled for what. But uh, yeah, so I wasn't there. I uh, just watched it from my couch today. Hmm. At home, like uh, probably majority of your listeners. Right. Now, um, you mentioned uh, a whole bunch of different names in that kind of talking about how you got to where you are right now. I'm yeah. wondering if, uh, and I'm sure everybody's probably had a piece to play, but who would you say have been the most influential or helped you kind of um, uh, n- not just sort of know what to do in media to kind of get to where you are and, and sort of pursue that, but even specifically in the sports world, um, uh, form well not sports that we're talking hockey but formed your your hockey opinions uh even more so uh, uh chris and i we talked about this on the podcast uh i think last episode or maybe two ago or something where i said you know you got to be a real real piece of work to not be able to cite anybody else you know that that's helped shape right. thing right like you just uh, i knew everything myself i never needed anyone else all these great opinions are my own i think it's probably like uh, to be self-aware is to also realize your weaknesses and what you can learn from other people so who are some of the people that helped you in the media way and also um maybe formed some of your hockey opinions and, yeah. and refine them yeah i'll start with the media um you know, again i you know, i mentioned darren bombing right off the bat and he was kind of the first guy i really kind of met he was a younger guy just like myself and um he kind of showed me the ropes a lot of different things i mean i, I can't tell you the countless conversations me and darren had through text or whatever just talking about the industry especially when i was going through school and and darren was always very brutally honest with me about you know why why did you say this on twitter why did you do that i mean <laughs> you know think about what you say before you speak i mean you know i've made lots of mistakes i mean I can't imagine the number of times I've maybe apologized to somebody or, you know, you know, even, you know, deleted a tweet because it just, it was, why, why am I tweeting this? Like, why, why would I, you know, like, you know, you're still, I was still a young guy trying to make a name for myself and, and, and not really thinking about anything other than that. And so, I mean, Darren was a, a huge influence on that. And, um, and then, and, and then it turned into not, not it turned, I mean, Darren's still there. I mean, I see Darren every day. Uh, different things um, but uh, uh, over the past I want to say several years now uh, you know, I, I, I got the opportunity when I got the NHL job four years ago now I guess it was um, I uh, got moved so like the press box has assigned seating um, I guess not everybody's been up in the press box I, I kind of forget this sometimes that people don't always know how <laughs> like a press box works or whatever but there's assigned seating so like I, I for my stringing jobs, I would usually sit at the end where, where the visiting media was um, because I was essentially a, a visiting media, quote-unquote, um, based on what I did. But once I, you know, if I worked for Canadian Press, well, they had an assigned seat. And if I worked for, when I started working for the NHL, I had a, uh, an assigned seat as well. Um, so I, uh, my assigned seat where the NHL was was sitting next to Ken Weed. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. I was like, oh, I like the guys that I was sitting with next before, right? And I got to move next to, you know, somebody new. And, you know, I don't know how it's going to be. I mean, you spend a lot of time sitting next to these people. And, I mean, uh, you know, it was one of the best things that, you know, ever happened to me career-wise is is sitting next to Kenny. I mean, 
Uh, I call Kenny a friend now. I talk to Kenny almost every day, at least through via a text or two um, when we're on the road. I mean, there's Kenny is has done so much for me in terms of career progression. Um, just you know, critiquing my work or whatever, talking to you know, I've been a guy that I can just talk to about anything, vent to. Um, you know, I, I can't thank Ken Weave enough for some of the things that he's for everything that he's done really not some of the things everything i mean uh especially this year too i mean you know i feel like this i, I feel like the the, the 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 new kid at school or the, or whatever like i'm you know I'm, I'm learning how to travel and kenny's been so helpful calming me down when i'm having you know a rough day traveling or you know i just feel like you know i'm worried about making my connection or you know things that you just don't really ever really thought about before as much because they weren't nearly as important as they are now and so yeah for me at least in terms of uh, of like yeah career and stuff like that darren bomb and ken weave uh just those two i mean i i can't uh, i i I don't think i'm kind of it's kind of a weird thing to say but forever indebted i mean those guys just i mean the best thing i can do in my mind with what they have given me is kind of pay it forward to the next guy and kenny's always kind of talked about that i mean he's He's learned so much, and he's always wanted to kind of you know, pay things forward, and he he does that. I mean, Kenny will talk to absolutely anybody. I don't know, you know, I, I bug him sometimes with all this, you know, the the people that he talks to and that sort of thing. But it's kind of you know, it gets him so connected in in the thing. I mean, I, people don't see the kind of work that that a guy like Ken puts into the job. Um, it, it's it's relentless. I mean, that's the word I would probably use for it. Um, and, and in terms of hockey opinions, again. I uh, have to say, Kenny. I mean, yeah, it just when I've had an opinion on me and Kenny, uh, we've always joked about starting our own podcast, you know, and we we'd call it "What Are You Talking About?" because that's what Kenny, like, that's Kenny's line to me. So mm-hmm. if I say something insane, you know, he'll be like, "What are you talking about?" And there's been times where we've had like full blown like arguments, just arguing over hockey things in just like the media room or whatever in the press box, like. You know, the one running joke is from some of the guys, you know, we're going to record this and that'll be the next podcast or, or, or save it for the next podcast. It's hilarious. Um, Kenny's, you know, we, we both kind of banter back and forth now and, 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 and that sort of thing. But I mean, just talking to him about hockey, he's, you know, I find him to be one of the most knowledgeable people and down to earth when it comes to the game. Um, Cause you know, he looks at the game in a certain way. Um, that is, you know, I, I, you know, I've tried now to look at the game this morning because, you know, I guess the part of the thing, and we'll get to this later, I'm sure, about, you know, uh, how the nuances of the job and why may I disagree with some of the things that fans say and that sort of thing. But, I mean, there are two sides to all these things, right? And, and when you see how, you know, let, let's say something that maybe Paul Maurice does that fans don't like, but you can kind of maybe see there is a reason for doing it and, you might not always agree with it, but I mean, that's his reasoning for it. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, he's the head coach of the hockey team. So it kind of, that's, that's what rules the day. But, but either just those types of things, just different things, different, so many little nuanced things during the day that, you know, that you just learn. Um, yeah. Ken's been a big one. And then just different guys, you know, people, people around the league that I uh, respect that I read, um, uh, just the, oh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of names. Mark Lazarus. Um, uh, uh, geez, I'm trying to think of some other guys right now. I, I hate being on the spot for these types yeah. of things, but there's just a, there's a ton of guys in hockey. Arpin Basu, um, the Jet Centric Podcast. Montreal, 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, that are just very, um, I don't even know, you know, they, 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 it's not that they, I, I always agree with their hockey opinions, but it's just the way that they kind of, um, they, they bring them across, the way that they, they kind of view the game and that sort of thing. Those are, I guess, kind of the people that I gravitate to because, you know, at the end of the day, I, mean, I have my own opinions, but uh, I also... You know, you're you're always looking to re- not maybe essentially right. You're always looking for a different way to look at things. Uh, um, you know, it's part of just critical thinking and and and, and learning. You know, a, a, some a different view of the game and and that sort of thing and why somebody might view it that way. And so, yeah, just a, a whole bunch of people. I mean, just different writers. Usually, that's where I get a lot of it from because you do a lot of reading in this job. You're you're reading different people on a daily basis. So. Yeah, another long-winded answer, but that's kind of you know it's kind of what it is, right? So yeah, for a writer, you sure can talk. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you don't you don't always get the opportunity to do this as we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, this this is all pent up. Yeah, it's yeah, all pent up energy. Okay, well, kind of moving along to some of the yeah. more hockey takes. Um, I know that you've shared a little bit uh, um, on Twitter about your move towards viewing the game a bit more analytically. Uh, some people will cringe at that word. Most of our listeners, I think, kind of get it. But, um, yeah, I'm just curious what that um, process has looked like for you where you've kind of, um, yeah, just seen that and, and uh, where where you're at with that now, how you've started to watch the game a little bit differently and maybe less of an old-school way that I think a lot of us um, that were, were without the NHL for 16 years and, you know, right. we're kind of just watching periphery hockey not not as deep into it as we all are or many of us are now as fans um yeah how how that shift's been for you yeah i mean yeah i, I just i remember i mean i can remember some of the, the first kind of people that we would see on twitter uh garrett hall and and some of those guys that, that that were talking jets and stuff and you know at the beginning i was like man like this stuff doesn't make sense like it, what are you talking about like the you on know, the spreadsheet tells me this and whatever and i see this graph with a bunch of points on i'm like there's no there's no bloody context to this. Like, or what is this? Right. Like, mm. and, and then like, how does this translate to print? And like, how, how do you take a graph that has, you know, some lines or it looks like, you know, somebody's heartbeat <laughs> and, and then, and then take that and put it into something that, you know, is digestible for, you know, the average reader. And this was, you know, this is when I started like it, you know, analytics, at least to me, when I started paying attention to them was when, you know, there was this kind of a big push, I want to say in the early 2010s there. Um, and I didn't, I just didn't get it at the time. Uh, you know, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical about it. You know, I was like, okay, this might just be a fad. It'll pass. Um, uh, and you know, you kind of faded it out and eventually it just, it wasn't a fad, right. It, you know, people were starting to, you know, get, um, uh, you know, the people were just starting to, you know, latch onto it and you were finding new things. And I think for me, I don't know how I can't really place a date or, you know, maybe when I started to change my mind on it, but I was just like, you know, what, what means if I can take some of this stuff, even the base stuff, Corsi, you know, whatever, uh, spectacle back then there was PDO stuff like that. And what if you can take some of this stuff and, <clears throat> you know, turn it into, you know, something where you can still tell a good story, um, but you can also use these stats as kind of like a supporting argument in whatever you're writing, or not even a supporting argument, but like, okay, so like if I'm 
I'm writing about, uh, I don't know, let's say the, the Adam Lowry line um, uh, and, and how dominant it had been with Andrew Kopp and, and even Brandon Tanner when the line was just, you know, the line at one point, and, and there was a great story done by uh, a blog called, the, I think it's the Broad Street Bullies, which is an SB Nation blog. Um, but they did, you know, they, they looked at it, and this might have been one of the first times where I was like, man, like you can really tell like a good story here because you can see something here that maybe not everybody else is seeing. And so essentially what they did is they, they looked at, okay, so like <clears throat> you would you would look at like a Stamkos, Kucherov, you know, X line, and be like, oh, okay, so that line's amazing. You have, a, you know, a former 60-goal scorer. you got a guy who's had 120-odd points last year, and, you know, let's say whoever else on the line, it doesn't even matter at that point. You have a 200-point line, and, and you would think, like, hey, this is a great line, and, and you don't need to, to look at the numbers to see that. But they were looking at, they essentially looked like, what would the 10 best lines be? based on X number of criteria. And it was um, <clears throat> shot share, expected goals, all these things. And you know, there were some lines on there that you would expect. I mean, you know, you expected Connor McDavid's line to be on there just because Connor McDavid is such a good player. And his line just had a lot of high numbers in terms of analytics. But And then Crosby's line was on there too because he's again in Bergeron's line in, in Boston. But then there was a line of... Andrew or Andrew Cobb, Adam Lowry, and Brandon Tanev in the top ten lines in the league based on this criteria. And I looked at this. I want to say this was a couple of years ago now. And I was like, man, that's like that's crazy to me. Like how you know, like I like I knew the line was good, but like I didn't realize like you know based on their possession and and what they did. And then you started talking to people. You know, I remember sitting outside the dressing room one day after a scrum talking to kind of Paul Maurice about. You know, I saw this and I was asking him, like, you know, and talking about lines and stuff like this. And one of the questions he asked me is, like, well, what line comes across the board second on a lot of our games? Um, and I, I had to think about it. I'm like, I would say it was the little line, but I, I, I would be wrong. I, you know, oftentimes it was Adam Lowry's line that would come over the board second. And so that's kind of – there was a long thing about just how different lines, but it just – you. you, you I saw then at that point, I was like, you can look and, and you can find something that you won't just not naturally see, I suppose, um, by just watching the game. And that one kind of was really eye-opening because it was like, okay, like Adam Lowry's line is good. Maybe Brandon Tanner is being pulled along quite a bit by Kopp and Lowry. Um, but, you know, once they started looking at it, then you see, okay, yeah, Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry were so good together that it didn't really matter who was playing on the right wing. Um, because they were always going to prop that person up. The line could have been even better if you, say, put Matthew Perot on it. But then you can start seeing, like, different line combinations, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, like who works well together, who doesn't work well together, based on some of these numbers. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was starting to kind of learn. And then you you, you get to a point where, like, okay, I, I, you know, I think I understand this enough that I can now – bring it into a, a story i can i can put a story i think one of the better stories that i've ever written was actually for nbc was about this broad street bully article and then delving into more of just that adam lowry line um <clears throat> and how good they were and and what it was and and it was kind of i, I want to say it was like one of the first analytic stories that i ever kind of really wrote where i delved into that stuff and it wasn't even that I, – I, mean, I think the story did well, at least on when, you know, views and stuff like that. But it wasn't even about that. To me, it was just about 
I learned something about the the way that you can take the analytics um, and you can use them to craft a story, um, either good or bad for a player, and you, it, it just supports what you're already writing. You know, if if you know uh, uh, if Mark Stewart's a bad defenseman, well, then why is Mark Stewart a bad defenseman? If um, I don't know, Mark Letestu is a bad forward, why is Mark Letestu a bad forward? Or you know, bad I use that relative. All these guys are still in the NHL. They're better than most guys. But, you know, why don't they fit on this team or whatever? What don't they do well? Well, you know, you can watch the game and see some of these things, but you can also see how they kind of affect the rest of it, the line, that sort of thing. So, you know, I just started looking at those things, and I was like, man, there's a lot of – there's like there's a wealth of information here that you can draw upon, and, and if you can do it properly where you can write it in a way that people don't just get bogged down in numbers and charts and stuff like that, but can you can kind of put some context to that based on – you know, just my ability to write about that or asking players about certain things or whatever it is, that's kind of, you know, that, that, that was kind of my thing. It was just like, if I can, you know, the challenge for me was, okay, how do I make this so it's digestible to the average Sun reader or the average NBC reader or the average whoever, right, whoever I was writing for? Because at the end of the day, I mean, the people that you're writing for, and I have a larger platform writing for, um, you know, the only one of the only two newspapers in, 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 in the city, you have to be able to, you know, I'm writing for a different audience than, than just what, you know, maybe some of the people might follow me on Twitter or whatever that just want pure stats and stuff like that. It's not always like that. So my challenge and something that I've been trying to do now for the last couple of years is let's integrate some of these stats that you have online and, and and make it so they tell a better story and i think at the end of the day if that's what i can do um you know that that's it, it it's a fair it's based on numbers it's not you know you, you can't really I'm, I'm sure there's ways to manipulate numbers i don't know enough about the numbers at this point to, to do that nor would i want to um but i just you know i like to look at the numbers to to i suppose uh, uh solidify what I think is true or what I'm writing or whatever or if the numbers don't show that why aren't these players being lauded more or why aren't these players being you know um, <clears throat> you know I guess chastised more whatever it is so I, just, I, I think you know to, to answer again to answer the question kind of in short form it, it once I started finding out that and learning, and I, yeah, it took a while, but once I started to figure out that these numbers can really help with the storytelling, with help doing better reports on a daily basis, doing that sort of thing, I think that's kind of where my mind changed on it. And ever since then, it's it's been you know, where I can, when I can, I'll try and include um, whatever it is, whatever it's, you know, just the, the analytics, different things, and, and they show you different things. You, know, you can just tell this season. You know, you don't, it doesn't take you uh, it doesn't take much to see that Connor Hellbuck really kept this Jets team in it early on in the season. But when you look at the stats, you can see much, like how how much he did. I, I think that's kind of one thing. It, it gives you some context to what you're seeing, and I think that's important, uh, especially these days with with writing. And 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 I, I've enjoyed it, and I hope people reading have kind of enjoyed it as well. You know, it's uh, as you're sharing that and talking about story uh, so much. It's uh, hockey being. It feels like it has so many gray areas in it as far as even evaluating talent because the impact of star players is less than, say, the NBA um, and also the impact of 
not good players uh, isn't as noticeable. So it feels like the gray area is so much bigger and, and being such a luck-based sport that hockey's really been driven by story for so long that when you're saying this, and I'm not a Star Wars fan by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> I almost feel like everybody, well, m- maybe not everybody, but a lot of people know that, you know, if you uh, shoot lasers and guns out in space, they don't make a noise. Yet for Star Wars, you know, it's it's better to sort of suspend reality and say, you know, the story works better if we say that it does, but the, the facts would say they don't. So it's not as good of a story if they're having space fights that you can't even hear the, the lasers and bullets and explosions and everything, right? It's almost, it yeah. feels like that. That's a, a really, really weird, weird comparable, but um, it, <laughs> hockey, like I said, has been driven by stories so much about the narratives of just grit and hustle and everything and, and less about yeah. facts. But it feels like there's enough facts out there to, to you know, run great stories that have you know their basis in fact and not just sort of uh, opinion and narratives especially as analytics seems to prove more and more what is valuable versus what isn't i mean um i know i'm rambling a, a little bit here but i think of even fighting right or like most hits right. in a game i mean that's pretty much been sorted out that it's it's all part of the game uh, yeah. uh fighting obviously to a way lesser extent but it's proven to be pretty much meaningless towards you know outcome of a game right which is which is the eventual result so when people want to kind of you know uh, die on that hill of that fighting is great for the game or whatever it is it's like well it's it's really nothing to the game it's not important at all so yeah it's it's interesting i for for me and i for i know for a lot of fans we uh appreciate the idea that it's going more towards you know a fact driven narrative and so the more and more people kind of get on board with that or, or report like that. It's uh, I know for myself, I definitely enjoyed a bit more, but it, okay. So now I'm going to take you back to, I think it was uh, probably the last season or the last two seasons. Um, just sure. talking about analytics. We used to have an analytic darling in Winnipeg by the name of Nick Patan. Um, and we're not supposed to talk about him, but you used to tweet out every so often uh, Nick Patan's um, uh, stats versus Brendan Lemieux's stats, just to troll all of us who are Nick Patan fans. So um, uh, we've never done this before, but I think maybe this should be part of the podcast where every episode, uh, if we have a guest, uh, it's a segment called Say Something Nice About Nick Patan. So I just think, and Scott, can you can you find one nice thing in your heart to say about Nick Patan? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to be honest, and... and... Uh, and, you know, I'll clear the air on that now. I, and I didn't think Nick Patan was a bad player necessarily. I, uh, there was a time where I kind of enjoyed kind of that kind of trolling aspect of things. Uh, I don't say, like, I, I wanted to be a troll. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I thought that at the, at the time, you know, just people were just being so, like, Nick, like, <clears throat> Nick Patan, good player. I'm not sure Nick Patan was ever going to improve the team in the way that he kind of got built up into maybe improving the team. Right. I, I, I still like, and I don't know, and I don't, we'll never know now at this yeah, point, yeah. but I just, I always thought it was kind of blown out of proportion, how a guy who can't really make the team and, and, and there'll be an argument, well, you know, race didn't deploy him properly or, you know, whatever, different things that happened in the organization, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I, I, I will admit, you know, and, and, uh, I just I didn't probably handle that situation the way that I should have. I, I I wasn't trying to be malicious or anything like that. I just in my mind I thought it was kind of funny how people were. But like I get it. I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, you have to also understand. It, it, so when you when you do this job, you're like you, you become so much less of a fan of the game because 
it is very hard to be object. And I'm not a fan of the game, sorry. A fan of the team that you're covering, a fan of whatever. I mean, you, you really got to be objective. So you're trying your best to be as impartial as possible and blah, 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 blah. And I was trying to look at it. And I probably tried and looked at that a little too far. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this just isn't going to, you know, it's not going to work. I don't know why people are harping on this Nick Batan thing all the time, right? It was just over and over again. I just thought it was like so ridiculous in my head. But, you know, you, you kind of sometimes have to understand, you know, fans, and we don't know, like, I mean, and we'll get into maybe talking about how media works and, and questions and stuff like that. But like, legitimately, like I, I'm not entirely sure what to ask. But like, why is he not playing? Well, okay, but then you get an answer. Well, this, this, and this. Well, well, this like these stats say he should be playing. So why not? Well, our stats say this. Like, it, it, you don't. You're never going to get a straight answer on terms of that. Like, if if the coach has one way to say it, then whatever. That's again, you can only harp on these things so many times. And I was just like. Like, <clears throat> I don't know why weren't people understanding that Nick Patan was just not going to play. Like, it just, when he got his opportunity, uh, you know, it seemed like people thought it was better than maybe it was. And I, I don't know. I mean, the stats would suggest that maybe that wasn't the case. And then, again, that's been part of my whole, you know, trying to understand the stats and get better at the stats and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, I mean, to be totally honest, and before I say something good about Nick Patan, I will... <laughs> Uh, you know, admit that I, you know, I probably screwed up there. I mean, I, you know, it was just one of those things where I, you know, just a lapse of judgment, I suppose, or just, I was just not, it wasn't, wasn't what I should have done. Um, so yeah, I'll clear the air with that. And, but one thing about Nick Ten, I still think Nick Ten, hardworking hockey player, um, uh, probably deserved more here. Um, uh, a better chance, had some really bad luck, especially with his dad. Um, dying everybody knows the story now um you know we kind of knew a lot before anybody else knew because um eventually we some things came out and we were told about them and some things you just don't talk about um because it, it, a very delicate situation yeah. one thing i remember nick patan nick patan came back one day uh his dad had died um he was I think he got a chance again to be in the lineup, or at least he was on the verge of coming back into the lineup. And he came out in front of us and, you know, talked and was honest and was, um, you know, just, you know, he told it, you know, this whole thing sucked. It, 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 it's been tough. And, and, and you, you know, I think, I think the part of the thing that perhaps fans don't always understand is like, these people are human. Um, and and sometimes we even I have to remind myself of that too, right? I mean, but like when you're talking, like this this kid had been through so much. He had been trying to make a hockey team. He had been trying to his best opportunity to make the Winnipeg Jets happened, and then his dad died, and and then that kind of ruined it, the his chance that year because he missed all of training camp. Um, you know, it, and, and understandably so. I mean, a completely horrible situation for him to go through, his family to go through, anybody to go through. Um, and, but Nick was always like class act, um, just as a person. Um, you know, I, 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 not saying that he's. You know, I, I still think there's there's a role for him to play in the NHL, and I think he's always worked hard to do what he does. Um, it just sometimes people have don't have the best luck but i mean he's always been a class act and i think he probably would have seen that uh, he would always would have seen that in um you know anytime you would hear him talk or even in that whole tsn thing that was done um you would hear that right and so 
uh, I guess that's the nice thing about Nick Batan that I would say. I mean, a great person, and, and I still think he is a good player, and just probably didn't get his fair shake here and maybe not even in, in, in Toronto. So. Right on. Yeah. And so I just want to back up, Scott. I hope I I hope I didn't catch you too off guard. I wasn't actually no. I wasn't giving you a hard time about the trolling because I was I was also the one that said you should definitely do more like the the like be more accessible and do the periscope. I loved it. I thought it was funny. I like the I like the back and forth. So uh, I yeah. don't I disagree with you that it would be a mistake to joke around like that. I think that's kind of the fun playful thing that I think fans like of the media and people with access instead of sort of being yeah. not in an ivory tower per se. Uh, that's not my accusation, but uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. But I was obviously being a Nick Patan fan. Uh, I, I had to give you just a little a little jab there. Right. But I think I, I, I think, think I knew your intention though. So yeah, I, I just think some people maybe took it in a way that I didn't want them to take it, and then and fair enough because the way that it, it came out was would have seemed not in a, a like might have seemed more malicious than it ever was, right? So I mean, I totally understand. Uh, why people would be upset at that and there was some people upset at that and i think i've reconciled with some of them at this point but i mean and i get it and that's it's part of this job i mean you're learning um you know uh, and if i have the time here yeah yeah when you when you when you listen to when you watch how kind of different reporters interact on twitter i've always tried to want to be different i've always wanted to be a little more accessible I, I think uh, my alarm going off here on my phone hold on um you know a little more accessible always wanted to be a little more um you know just like be able to engage with the readership because at the end of the day i mean you know that's you need people to read your stuff otherwise whatever and, and i'm not looking to be a popularity contest i'm not looking to think that i just want to be able to engage the people that take the time to read what i write and you know it, it's a one of those relationships where you know you you can't you can't be like just i don't know being mean is not the right word but you know just completely just making kind of light of a situation where some people to kind of take seriously and, and so yeah it was just one of those things where you kind of you know it was learning moment I, I, I it's not that i don't still have fun on twitter i mean i, I certainly do with my little heat maps and all that stuff and i'll still say you know whatever it's just that you know you have to learn sometimes that some things that you do aren't the right things to do and 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 kind of learn from it and then try not to do it again and 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 then again just more seeing it from the other perspective sometimes right well that's fair i i can appreciate that i just uh from my perspective as somebody that would have right. seen that and, and probably commented to you you know off a personal account um i i was i'm game for it anybody who knows me and what my old personal account uh, was know that i'm i'm up for the trolling that's for sure just to right. be playful and stuff so i, I like that so um now uh, we got a couple minutes. My thing's going to cut out here in about seven minutes, so we'll take a little break uh, in about sure. six minutes. But I wanted to ask you, just talking about media, um, which, because uh, you know there's been lots of them um, from people, and I'm not sure what are fair or not. So I'm going to ask you, which criticisms of mainstream media, What you can make it specific to Winnipeg, I guess, and your experience with the Jets, sure. or if you've seen some on a yeah. bigger scale, which criticisms do you think are uh, warranted uh, and and where people media can improve and which ones do you think are completely unfounded and unfair because people really don't understand the situation no. yeah I mean I mean we've talked about one of them privately about just uh, uh, just how kind of you know breaking news and why aren't you know local media and and to be honest like I've never been one to 
break a lot of news. I did it in news a little bit a couple times. I got burned on one story one time. And, uh, you know, so it's just, it's not something you take here. And like, if you look at hockey, I mean, if you, what, and you can name the two or three or four people that break stories yep. in hockey. They're all, they're all in Toronto. They work for TSN. They work for Sportsnet. Uh, you know, they work for TBS or TPA, sorry. Um, you know, there's just, you know, there's uh, Dave Pagnotta for the fourth period, I think it's called. Um, you know, some guys do it. I mean, there's not a lot of people doing that. And, and I think people, you know, you look at it and it's like, okay, but these guys are so interconnected, GMs and stuff like that. And, and then when you look at kind of, I mean, people always talk about how silent the Jets are. And, and then, but then they don't realize, well, that, that's also to us reporters too, right? Like we're not getting fed a bunch of information that the fans aren't getting, right? Or, or you know, if we were getting information like the updates on Bufflin or stuff like that, that we can find, that the other guys are getting every now and then, you know, it, you know, we'd be reporting them because that's our job. Um, but we don't get that, and and I think, um, you know, I think just people automatically assume. But if you look at other sports, I mean, look at the NFL. Who's 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 locally breaking a lot of NFL news? I mean, I, I don't know, but you you sure know Adam or uh, Schefter's name. Um, you know, uh, Rappaport, Ian Rappaport, like, you know those names. Yeah. Like, and Woj. The guys breaking yeah. all the news. I mean, yeah. you know, Waz in, in, in the NBA. I mean, you yeah. know, baseball's a little bit different, but, I mean, there's still guys in baseball that are breaking the majority of news, too. That's just the way the landscape is right now, at least in my opinion. Um, should we be doing more as reporters to try and um, get the, those breaking news? Perhaps should be as reporters be able to if we're not being able to digest that news and and analyze it and give the readers the best stories the best analysis the best whatever out of it yes i mean i think at the end of the day does it really matter like do you remember who broke the jacob tuber trade do you remember who like even if you do remember does it even matter at the end of the day do you remember what i wrote or do you remember what morat wrote or ken wrote or whoever I mean, those are the stories that you'll be going back to, not the story that, you know, Jacob Schubert got traded to the, the New York Rangers. Those aren't the, the, you're not going to go back to that story and read it. You're going to go back to the story and, and the one that you read about, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what this means for the team, um, what, what the predictions were, whatever those things were, right? Like that, that's what you're going to go back and read if you want to read about the Jacob Trouba trade. I can find what Jacob Trouba was traded for on Wikipedia. You know, like, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't need to, if, to me, it's not a huge deal, I guess, at the end of the day, in my opinion, that who's breaking the news. I mean, the news is going to get out there. It happens from about four or five different guys most of the time. There's a reason why everybody turns into Trade Center on a, on a, on whatever, on, on the trade deadline day or whatever it is, right? Like, you know, those are, you know, you're watching those guys because they're sitting there breaking all the news. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a lot of guys locally, so uh, I, I, I don't want to make sure that your phone doesn't cut off here, but um, it is one of those things where I think fans are expecting more from us. And, and we, I'm not saying, so we should expect to try and be pushing and trying to be getting sources, and, and that, that is part of the job. But it's not always... It's not easy to do, I guess is what I'm saying. I think that's just kind of what people don't know, maybe understand about the industry. It's not as easy because if you're going to be, you have to be able to offer something yourself too. You know, you, you know, GMs aren't just coming, you know, Kevin Sheldon's not just phoning me to tell me, you know, spilling his guts about everything, right? I mean, what can I give him? I mean, the, you know, the, these guys, LeBron, McKenzie, they know other things. And so they're getting fed information 
you're passing it on, you know, all those types of things to different GMs, and then in turn, you're giving information back and blah, 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 blah. That's kind of how that relationship works. So right. it's just, it's kind of different for us beat reporters who are doing just, a, it's a different things that we're doing. So that's kind of short of it. I don't make sure that we get in before your phone cuts <laughs> off and we take a break here, but that's kind of how I'd answer that. Yeah. And I think that's where I am. We've still got a couple, we got about a minute here, but uh, okay. that's fine. I think, uh, I think that uh, that's fair. I like that you said that I know Marat and Ken have talked about it on their podcast, just saying like, this is kind of how it is. And I, yeah. I don't, I don't know how I would go getting stories and uh, like, you know and ken knows and marat knows and even me like uh i because i doing the podcast and talking to lots of people you do know more stuff than you are going to report but for an example like you said with the batan thing uh it's not yeah. like you're gonna spill the the beans on on that right it's sort of like no. sometimes things have to come out in the right way but um yeah. I, I i don't think true north is saying hey you know what i really want this person to tweet this out before uh we even do it from our official account right yeah. um and and before this cuts out in a couple seconds here uh i do remember who tweeted the jacob truba thing it was ko yeah. ko sports was the first one to do it which was his agent so exactly. they were the first so how are we ever going to get that, right? Yeah, that's, you, that's exactly what I mean at the yeah. end of the day, right? You can't compete with that. No, for sure not. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with uh, the second of nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast. <laughs> 